What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Khan, is The Ringer's latest narrative podcast. You can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin O'Contrarian, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Verno. What a weird Suns Clippers games we just saw. What a weird game. And by weird, you mean I could have left at the beginning. Gone and watched The Godfather come back, <laughs> and the game still would have been on. Dude, dude, then yes. like, the last two or three minutes of that game lasted 35 minutes. There was, oh, I think, d- eight, eight official reviews down the stretch of that game. <laughs> and, like, if you remove all the reviews, it was an unbelievable basketball game. And somehow just kept making it more and more anticlimactic because you have all of these amazing plays. You have, uh, you have the Booker huge shot, Booker pull up possible game winner on Pat Bev after Pat Bev is, you know, they got him uh, screaming on the sideline, send him right, send him right. He's yelling at Rondo, right. As he had gone to his left. And so this, there was like this poetic moment of, Booker going right and then pulling up and hitting a possible would-be game winner. Paul George, never been the guy that everybody would say, now there's a guy that's built for the moment. He comes back 
outdoes Booker shot. Split the screen. God's on the rim. <laughs> and then, Beautiful play. So he ends up hitting the bucket. Now there's going to be another play. And like this all gets lost. You got Patrick Beverly <laughs> knocking it off of uh, Booker. But you got was, a damn oh. microscope on their hands. <laughs> it's a Pruderville. In the, yes. Oh, my God. To try to figure out out of bounds. But that doesn't end up mattering. Because Paul George botches two free throws. He missed both. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then and then you got the Aiton lob oh. to to go for the go ahead points. Just what a what a perfect cherry on top for DeAndre Aiton for yes. an unbelievable performance. Twenty four points on twelve of 15, 14 rebounds, one steal, one block, one assist. He he had. I mean the block that he had. When then he followed it up on the other end, hustled up the floor, got an offensive rebound, tipped it to Mikel Bridges for a layup. Yep. I mean, this guy, what a story. What Aiton, a story. Well, in a year where Luka Doncic looks like one of the top five players in the NBA, Trey Young is appearing in an Eastern Conference yeah. Finals, right? Here's this guy that went number one, and number he's not one. playing. He's not. Get, he's not playing second fiddle. ESPN Sports and Info, as we are recording this late Tuesday night, uh, just put up. DeAndre Ayton is the first player in the shot clock era. Era, so that's since uh, 54, 55 that season, with a seventy plus percent field goal percentage in any twelve game postseason span. Mm. That's incredible. That's wild. That that's incredible. I mean, he's seventy percent, and they just ran here on the TV because um, I've still got some of the post game stuff on. They just ran the audio from the huddle. This is great. They the audio from the huddle, and you hear Monty Williams go, "Da, if he throws it up, you got to try to dunk it." And of course, now we know how that play played out. Uh, unbelievable <laughs> so winning play by Jay Crowder. Yeah, I mean, that is it was an incredible pass from the angle to put it right there. And then, of course, Aiton really is like was jumping off a pogo stick yeah, and he's I, able to put it in. Oftentimes when we talk about like great shots or, or great, you know, dunks, we don't talk about the pass. That was a great on target pass great. by Jerry Carter. It's perfectly where only DeAndre Aiton could catch it above Zubats. I mean, everything was perfect there. And it was such and how a about, and how about and how about at least for Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, they knew the rules. Yeah, they did. How about nobody yeah. on the court seemingly knowing the rules? Like, no no Clipper had any idea. They're all like, that's a goaltend. It's in the cylinder. Like, yeah. what are you – what is going on here? Um, Man, dude, and, what And what you end crush. up forgetting through – you know, because that last, you know, couple minutes of the game took forever and there were so <laughs> many huge plays – the story of the night up until all of this happened was campaign. Campaign, man. 29 points. Oh, my God. It's the what most a story, dude. All, so many Suns players. DeAndre Ayton became a great two-way player. Oh, Cameron yeah. Payne going from playing a, a, a cup of coffee in China, looking like he's out of the NBA, to starting in the playoffs and place a Chris Paul in the Western Conference Finals and dropping 29. Oh, my God. And that is... The most points Cameron Payne has ever scored in an NBA game. Wow. So, I mean, wow. It's not just like 
he got to play, you know, in place of Chris Paul. He got to play and had the best scoring night of his career. And, and by the way, also very Chris Paul-esque, nine assists to yes. zero turnovers. That yes. that has to also be the most assist he's had with zero turnovers in his career. It has to be. I haven't looked it up. Don't think I need to, judging how <laughs> the start of his career went. Like, this Suns team is full of so many great stories. Well, and here's it's the crazy fun. thing, Kev, is because one of the things we always talk about is Sometimes when guys are out, it is less about the actual guy that's out and more about how big is the drop off to the replacement. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like totally. And, and sometimes even if it's just like an average guy, if you don't have somebody that can step in those shoes and they had somebody fantastic that's not able to play for them in Chris Paul. And for this kid to step in and have the night that he has when given the opportunity to fill in for Chris Paul, you would think by any means there would be a huge drop-off from Chris Paul to campaign. And, of course, the way that team's functions is much better with Chris Paul. Um and they're eking out these wins against what is also a team that doesn't have Kawhi Leonard, its best yeah. player, playing for it. But campaign was great. I mean, he was given his opportunity, and he showed up big. And I, I cannot help but as they, as they now on the screen in front of me are running the Aiton replay over and over again, I, I cannot tell you how many tweets I've gotten f- f- during every Clippers game with people monitoring how many Zubach minutes since we talked about the bigger his tonight, and they and they never win when he's got <laughs> big minutes. I mean, there's a there's a, and and then at the end of the first quarter, they do this Ty Lu interview, and Ty Lu's talking about how much he loved Zoo in the starting lineup and how he thought it gave him rim protection, or whatever. And I'm like, what? first quarter did this dude just watch like he's the coach of the team like the phoenix scored 25 points in the first quarter 20 of them were at the rim 20 of them i'm like he just extolled the virtues of rim protection and deandre hayton just looked like damn wilt chamberlain and they're like dunking on this guy they're straight line driving on them and i'm like i they they got small ball lineups maybe this is just going to be the mode of operation kev the guy's got to lose two games playing Zubats, yeah, yeah. and then and then he'll get back to Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard almost saved their ass in the fourth quarter. He had what ten or twelve ten, in the fourth. Ten, yeah, I mean, yeah, he had a really good second half. He was and, good. I mean, to your point here, Chris. Like we're we're not going to discount the Clippers. That would be silly to do. The big difference this time around is in those first two series. Kawhi Leonard was active. <laughs> That's the big difference. But also, I would say this. Well, the, the and Terrence Mann was wait, very wait, active. Wait. Yeah. Well, and when also he wasn't. The, and also this, Chris, the Clippers, you know, have played, I think, 15 games in like 30 days, 31 yep. days or something like that. Like they've had a tough schedule. They had a quick turnaround from the game against Utah to game one against Phoenix. I mean, we've had two Western Conference Finals games and none in the East yet. We'll talk about yep. that later. But like for the Clippers – like they're a tough team, you know, they're fighting through clearly like some, some fatigue here. Paul George was awful tonight, Mm. like five of 10 from the free throw line, one of eight from three. He choked at the end, missing those two free throws. I wonder how much of that is fatigue 
playing over 40 minutes at the top at the end of this real tough schedule here. Uh, but ultimately, though, like fatigue and all that, everybody's tired. Everybody's dealing with something at this point. Not having Kawhi Leonard, like I, like we doubted the Clippers in the first two rounds. I'm going to doubt him again here, and it's because they don't have Kawhi Leonard. I think that's a very reasonable thing to do, right? Well, <laughs> and, and, and by the and, way, Chris Paul could be coming back for game three was reported during the game. Yeah, and and Leonard, uh, he's not even there, right? I never yeah, saw him. He was back in L.A. rehabbing. Yeah, I never saw him on the bench or anything. So, it, I mean, typically, if you can, you know, I mean, like, if, if, if you're not, if, if we think you're going to be able to possibly play, it stands to reason you might possibly also be at the yeah, game. And unless they knew there was no chance of the first two games and it wouldn't be back until yeah. they were in L.A. And, I, you know, at the time the injury happened, the next morning, like shortly before it was reported that it was an ACL injury, I was told mm-hmm. by one source that it was a sprained ACL and that he was telling people he's out for the rest of the season. And, yeah. you know, things can change, you know, a week, you know, of rehabbing and we'll see what happens. But I do wonder if the Clippers look at their situation here and think we got to give it a try. We have to give it a try in a must win game three. I wonder if he's able to. I wonder how much work has been done. Uh, I hope for the Clippers he's able to get back because they sure as hell need that guy, man. The when Suns I talked are, to a player about it, they told me four to six weeks. That, if that is what the injury is, it, yeah. it very well like, could like, be. When, I'm saying yeah. when it was reported, I asked a player what they thought about it, and they said that – I mean, if it, yeah. if, they, if it is what is reported, it typically takes a guy four to six weeks. Absolutely, and, and, and in all likelihood – I can't see him playing. Well, hell, Kev, if we if we have some more games like tonight, it might be four four to six weeks hey. by the time this series is over. You know what, Chris? <laughs> took, you could be right. Seven hours, and that could be the Clippers' strategy here. You know, you see <laughs> players complaining for calls, calling for reviews. Maybe the tactic actually is to buy time to get Kawhi Leonard back on that's the court. Right. I I think that's actually you might be onto something there, Chris. <laughs> the you longer really the be. better. Yeah, I'm in, I'm into that theory. I'm not into the reviews. I'm not into the like Adam Silver needs to do something about this, Chris. He really does. There's no like, question. You know, we're hardcore basketball fans. People who listen to this pa- to this podcast are hardcore fans. We love this game. We enjoy this game. But we deal with reviews. We deal with players getting rewarded for flopping and whining. We deal with that and still enjoy the game. But you know who doesn't? Casual fans who like are cool with basketball, but they're not all the way in. And when I talk to people who don't love the NBA, they're like, oh, the reviews are awful. You know, you don't have to watch until the fourth quarter. There's too many whistles. Players flop too much. That's why a lot of fans don't become hardcore fans. And so we talk all the time about ratings, 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 this and that, you know, growing the game. Well, to grow the game, you have to make the game more appealing to these casual fans who aren't already Die hard, who aren't listening to podcasts, who aren't on Twitter during games. You gotta appeal to them too, and also make the game more appealing for the people who are already your fans. So, you know, you gotta make these replay reviews quicker. There needs to be a mechanism with more people watching these plays as they happen so it can be done in 20 seconds, not in 20 minutes. Like, it just has to be quicker. You gotta make it better, and hopefully. Hopefully, Chris, we're hearing, you know, reports about they want to remove like the Trey Young, James Harden style drawn foul on offense. That at least tells me they're at least thinking about it. They're thinking about stuff like this. And that can't be it, though. They have to do more. And tonight's game was a great example because this was an unbelievable game from the basketball. 
unbelievable game. If you cut up all the clips of the plays after plays and watch it like in a five minute period, it is thrilling. It was awesome to watch. I loved it, but I hated everything else that was around it. I and I, I hope the league is how paying about, close attention. About, I do. And Kev, it wasn't even as if we weren't annoyed already with all of the stoppages and all of the replays and this ball's off this guy, this ball's off this guy. Um, how about the fact that they couldn't even get the right players on the court and that took an extra oh five minutes goodness. to yeah. play the last friggin' throw-in prayer? They couldn't even get the right guys on yeah. the court to play that last play. It was just, uh, I mean, it and, just... And, and look, like officiating is hard. Like refereeing in any sport is hard, especially a sport that moves as fast as basketball does. So make it easier for them. Yep. Make it easier for the referees. That, that's, yep. that's, that's, that's my, my proposed solution. I don't know how to make it easier, but I do know having more people who are in improving the process would help. And I, I would hope well, the league can come up with better solutions. They have we, to. We've talked about guys being able to get stymied or slowed down and then be able to adjust and come back. And in game one, Paul George was outstanding and they were going bucket for bucket with him and Devin Booker. And then they came out tonight, and in the first half, Booker's 3 of 10, five turnovers, which is the most turnovers he's had in a half. He's got nine points. I mean, it's just not – after we just saw this otherworldly all-time playoff performance out of him in game one, Pat Bev was all over this guy. I mean, just all over him, and then all over him, literally, when he friggin' headbutted him in the nose. Um, and <laughs> <was> something. <laughs> and it was just, it, it did feel like one of those, okay, now this is the ebb and flow of a series. And it was a much more difficult time for Paul George tonight. It was a much more difficult time for Devin Booker tonight. And so who was going to step up and... You know, Kennard, who didn't get that many minutes, he was a guy getting a bucket uh, in that fourth quarter. There are a couple plays here and there for some other guys. Reggie Jackson had, uh, you know, a couple nice uh, buckets in that first half and was pretty good. Uh, but it was campaign, and then it was Aiton. Like, in those two guys, like, uh, it, it, you didn't notice that Booker, you know, where – in that first game, he was just so by far and away the best player on that floor. And I think it just says something about them that he didn't have to be yeah. tonight. You know what I'm saying? It's like Paul George has to be awesome. He really does. Like, he, he, you know, and he's got to make those free throws at the end of the game. End of story. Like, that's you're, you're the guy on this team. And I thought he was a different guy in that in that, in that first game of the West Finals. I thought he was great uh, for the most part in that game. And even tonight, you know, I, I tweeted about this. That last couple minutes just encapsulates the frustration that has been watching him throughout his career. He's got with a minute and a half left. It's a nip-tuck game. The guy just throws it out oh, of bounds. Oh, the inbound. Oh, that was so lazy. I mean, this is this is you got to yeah. treasure the ball. No and kidding. You have something That's like horrible. that happen. You have and and you have those missed free throws happen. On the other hand, you have the straight line drive to the basket. You have the pull A up jumper play, yeah. <laughs> right after Booker hits his would be yep, game the, winner. The, the, and it's the one like three pointer he hit tonight. Yeah. Bro, are you built for it or not? I can't tell. Like, <laughs> you either hit the side of the backboard or you make this unbelievable play. It's the damnedest <laughs> thing. 
I don't, I don't understand this guy, it, man. It, he it, is it's pretty an funny, enigma. Man. And I think like also the Clippers had some pretty open three pointers down the stretch of that game mm-hmm. and they missed those. It was very much like the Utah series yep. when Ty Lue had said, Oh, we're, we just have to make our threes, you know, this and that. But, you know, looking at the box score, I'm seeing a number glaring in front of me and that's six of 26, 23.1%. That was the sun's three point percentage in tonight's game. Yeah, they the didn't Clip, make anything. The, the Clippers really missed an opportunity to steal one here. They did. You know, of course like they did. Crowder, of course they did. Crowder and goes 0 for 3. Bridges 1 for 5. Booker 1 for 3 from 3. Sarich 1 for 4. Craig 1 0 for 1. Johnson 1 of 1. Moore 0 for, 0 for 1. A lot of, lot of missed shots for the Phoenix Suns. And, and, I, and the Clippers were 38%. Their, their small lineups have been devastating the whole playoffs. And so if you want to argue with me, hey, we can't do that anymore because Aiton is a, a bigger offensive threat than, you know, what we faced. Obviously, they didn't have a center in Dallas that we had to worry about. And and then last round, Gobert, we were able to pull that off because he wasn't killing us on offense. Even if you want to say that, what the hell is the like what's going to happen? DeAndre Ayton's going to be awesome. Is that what's going to happen? Because that already is happening. And it it just doesn't like the zoo box thing has become funny about the whole like they lose when he plays this amount of minutes. <laughs> but there is something to it. You know, they they are at their best with their small ball lineups. And instead, he went back to was what hasn't worked the majority of the time throughout these playoffs for him. Like when they go with the big, with with the traditional center. It's tough though, Chris, Uh, like, you know, like Aiton did do well against those small lineups. So like you do want to switch it up, but now Aiton did well against the drop pick and roll coverage with Zubats. (laughs) So, I mean, it's, it's a real tough challenge and this is what it comes back to. I don't think it is. It just stop playing this guy. I mean, you have to play him some, though. You Why? have to play him some. Like, it's just, it's just a challenge here, and it all comes down back to this: they don't have Kawhi Leonard. It can be that simple. It really can. They be didn't here. have Kawhi Leonard in, in game, uh, in game six against Utah either. I know. And I they know. played small, right? Yep. I mean, that they was, played. Sm- that was against Gobert, though, on offense. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a challenge here for the Clippers. I, I don't think it's going to go as well going back home this round as it did for games three and four. I, I feel round. like we've I, I done this three well. series in a row and I'm having deja vu. Yeah, me too. Like, but Kawhi like, Leonard's not there this time. That's the big difference. And he's not there, but they don't have Chris Paul or they haven't had Chris yeah, Paul. And it sounds like Chris Paul will be back for game three though. Yeah. So this may not have been tonight. the series to go, uh, to, to go down. Oh, two. Cause yeah, I know that's been their thing. Woj you know? and Dave McMenamin reported tonight. There is optimism within the Suns organi- organization that Chris Paul will be back for game three. So we'll see if that happens. Well, he certainly didn't look, uh, he didn't look, he didn't look bad at all on that uh, TikTok he did with his kid that they were showing during the game. <laughs> Little Chris Paul on TikTok. By the way, God, that made me feel old. I remember when little Chris Paul was sitting in his lap at these post-game press conferences. This kid looked big with a TikTok now. <laughs> little Chris Paul, I was like, good grief. Man, how time flies. It Chris sure Paul does, looks Chris. like he's got a damn near teenager. That's wild. <laughs> on there. Um, anyways, now they move on. And I don't look, I, I've told you, I'm never I'm never I'm never burying the Clippers anymore. If they oh, I'm don't, not either. I'm not if either, they don't but... well, if they don't have if you tell me they don't have Kawhi Leonard, it's 
the bridge yeah, too far. It's, it's not good. It's a bridge too far. Yeah. But it, it was at least these have both been very entertaining, mm. despite the fact that they get ground to a halt at the end of the games. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. Let's flip to the other side. And that's going to be Hawks and Bucks. But before we get to them, let's talk about how we got here. So this is... I don't know if it's the most unlikely of the matchups, but certainly rather unlikely uh, to have the Hawks and the Bucks playing. I mean, I think this was supposed to be us coming on here talking about what we think about Philly versus Brooklyn. And <laughs> instead, both of those teams won game sevens as underdogs. And so of the teams that they knocked out, I know that people have talked ad nauseum over the course of the last 72 hours about Ben Simmons. That's been a massive, massive topic. Um, that's what it's going to be. I mean, it's the number one team. They get beat. You have these like downright tragic moments at the end of a game seven. Uh, you wrote an article about it and you had some numbers in there about this whole, about, you know, the shooting with the wrong hand and what needs to happen and whether they look to move him somewhere or obviously something has to change. This feels like a breaking point, whatever it may be. Um, I'm interested in what you think when you read the stuff that was coming out today where they tried to make it sound like, oh, we've got a plan in place. Ben's going to work with a guy all summer. Ben's going to be working on his shot all summer. And and that was kind of like the that, that that was the story that comes out about Ben Simmons and what's going to happen. Is it he's now like I'm I'm thinking to myself, have you been in the league like 6 years? I, I mean, you've been playing basketball forever. Like this is the summer, but, but what that's the that's what it took. <laughs> I mean, I just yeah. I don't understand. And who knows? I mean, who knows? Uh, I, I do think maybe that is just such a humiliating experience that 
it does become an agent for change. Oh, but yeah, I do that's think it's exactly hard. what it is. That's exactly I mean, the guy's got two hundred million dollars. I mean, Chris, you know what I'm saying, Chris? That that's what it is. It was a humiliating experience, mm. and that this is the trigger for change. Yep. Whether he switches to the right hand or not remains to be seen. In the past, he former Sixers shooting coach John Townsend worked with Simmons on using his right hand on free throws, on jump shots. Simmons did not stick with it. Former Sixers teammate J.J. Redick recently, recently said on his podcast that he told Ben Simmons that he should shoot with his right hand, that he looks more comfortable with his right hand. I put the data in the article. Yeah. Over 80% of his shots in the playoffs came off of his right hand when using either his right or left. In, in, in the series against the Hawks, <laughs> look, when he got hacked by Atlanta and they put him at the free throw line, he, I think that's where things changed for him mentally in terms of the confidence in his shot. When he didn't take that layup dunk opportunity and still dish it off to Thibel instead, it was honestly kind of sad to watch. It was sad to watch because like the mental aspect of the game is so difficult, is so difficult to overcome. And I hope for Ben Simmons, he's able to overcome that. And maybe a hard reset, you know, going to a right hand is possible for him. And I know a lot of people say it's unrealistic. How can you expect a guy to do that in the middle of his career? I would just encourage you to like pull up some clips of Ben Simmons, watch video of him shooting right-handed floaters, right-handed hook shots, right-handed layups in the open floor, right-handed dunks on the open floor. He's more comfortable with his right hand. I don't think it's unreasonable or unrealistic for him to be able to make the switch. How effective will it be? That's a whole nother question. Tristan Thompson did it. Nate Britt did it back in college. International players have done it. Most of them have had no improved results. But a lot of those guys were like equal in terms of their usage between each hand. Ben Simmons heavily favors the right hand with everything that he does on and off the court. So mm. I, I really believe it could work for him. I look forward to seeing if the Sixers keep him around. I look forward to seeing what type of teams are willing to make big offers, and we won't know that for sure until the weeks and months to come as the offseason develops, as we hear more about the draft and what teams' priorities are. But for the Sixers here, you know, you have right, one hey. well, you have one megastar who's injury-prone yep. and one all-star who has a shooting issue, and I, I, I still think they're close. Let me, let me throw something out to you. I seeing what happens. Let me throw something out to you that I haven't heard people talking about. Because it's all been, and I am a culprit too. As soon as I saw that play, I'm like, well, that's going to be his last, that's going to be his last moment. Yeah. And it very well may be, Could be, right? That being said, that the roster that they had as it was constructed highlighted it worse than it normally would have been highlighted, right? That because Ben Simmons is only taking four shots and because he's not taking fourth quarter shots, he's passing up everything. And because it's now a seven footer really trying to create everything. And if you're going to get a bucket, he's the guy that throw it to at the top of the key. That because of that, because there wasn't somebody else to kind of take off that that moment, Right. Um, to cover up that from happening and where you didn't notice it much, um, that, 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 was the, that, that was the bigger problem than maybe the combination, okay? So just hear me out. 
Because I do think you do need last year the the you know obviously Embiid was out for that. The year before, that team could have won the title with Jimmy Butler. I yeah. believe that, Kevin. I believe that. They got they got bounced on the Kawhi shot that hit 700 times, but they were great in that series. And Jimmy Butler, when it mattered, he was he was going and he was doing. And you go back and watch that series at the end of those games, you know, even if he had had bad games, he's just he's that dude. We know he's that dude. And you know the, the the difference between Jimmy Butler and, and, and Tobias Harris is immense. Like I, I I have thought a little bit about this today. Like, what if the mistake is the Harris thing? You know what I'm saying? Like that that's not the kind of guy. Did the, the pro, you can keep talking about well all the problem with Ben Simmons is, but traditionally we see those numbers with Simmons and Embiid on the court together have been outstanding for the last couple of years during the it's, regular season. Yeah, but, but even during the playoffs they have been Kev. Even during the playoffs, I told you that, that going into that Atlanta thing, I mean, when, when their lineup, their starting lineup with Danny Green, who they lost, had been out, outrageous. They were like a plus 38 or something going into Less so during fourth quarters, though, with okay. the Simmons and Bede pairing. Okay, look, and I think that's because you don't have another guy. Well, they don't have, and I've been saying this for years, they don't have that pick-and-roll playmaker. They don't mm. have that guard who can run a high screen for you. Even Embiid, one of the areas of his game that could be you know, uncovered next is the pick-and-roll. Like Embiid is never setting a screen and rolling down the lane, and very rarely setting a screen even pick-and-popping. Like Pick-and-roll has just not been a big component of Brett Brown's offenses in the past or with Doc Rivers this season. So... I mean, if Daryl Morey is able to get a Kyle Lowry or some other guard who can run a pick and roll for you, that changes what you can do with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and it could mm-hmm. make things work at a higher level. The, the question is going to be, is that really wa- the direction you want to go here? And yeah. I look forward to seeing what Daryl Morey and the Sixers do. There's going to be a lot of options for them in the trade market for Ben Simmons. They're going to have options for sign-in trades or outright signings and free agency. I'm excited to see here, and I think for Sixers fans, they rightfully are annoyed, frustrated with Ben Simmons, as they should be. It's an embarrassment. The lack of offensive development Simmons has had over the years, the fact on the post, he only has the right hook. Yeah, on post terrible. ups, it's terrible. Uh, it's honestly kind of a joke. It is. It is. He he only has the right hook on post ups. This guy who's six foot ten, two hundred fifty pounds, that. you know, toned, strong. He only has a right hook. That's it. Come on, man. Give me some power moves. Give me some counter moves. Like He's got to add more to his game, and we'll see. Let's see what he does this offseason, whether it's Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia or somewhere else. I look forward to seeing Ben Simmons come back a better player. If he does, great. Like I'm excited. Ben Simmons is fun in the open floor. He's a great defender. He is so electric on the court when he's on. If he comes back better, we all benefit. We all win because we're going to get to watch a funner player. But if he doesn't, the embarrassment continues. Yeah, he's been he, – he, that, that, that obviously, it's, we'll see if it spurs a change. Sometimes, you know, traumatic things happen to people, and that's that's the moment. It's true in life and true in sports. Yeah. That's how you come uh, back. Well, and, and then the other team, Brooklyn, you know, they're, they're all beat up by the time they lose that one. And so I think – They've got their three guys. You know, you build around them, and and they'll be right back there as long as they got Kevin Durant. Most and, mostly run yeah. it back plus a big. It's pretty yeah. simple with the Nets. That's right. Um, 
I did wonder, because this is one thing that has not come up, because we just go from beating coach up to beating coach up, right, whenever anybody loses. Were, was everybody too hard on Brett Brown? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. No, I think a lot, I think a lot of the concerns and the knocks on him were very fair. I think he navigated. Is there just a limit to what you can do with them? He navigated a very weird and unusual transition from Sam Hinkie to Brian Colangelo to Elton Brand, burner accounts and poor decisions by Colangelo that derailed what Hinkie was starting. You know, Brett Brown didn't have the best hand dealt to him with the roster by any means, but I also think Brett Brown could have made better decisions on the court with the system, with evolving that team out as well. And I think for too long, the Sixers baby Ben Simmons, and they needed to pressure him instead of catering towards his needs and his desires. They should have said, dude, like you're a righty and we're all behind this shooting coach and these players who see in you that you should do this. Like little things like that with accountability would have helped a whole lot in my opinion. So I think he deserves some blame. I think Doc Rivers deserves some blame right now for That's some what of I'm the saying. Well, Doc made. didn't have that accountability yeah, but, for him either. So I mean like yeah, what yeah, are we doing but, here? But just because Doc is like screwing up doesn't change the fact that prep Brown screwed up. It doesn't diminish like both of these guys have screwed up in their own different respective ways and also made the right choices in their own respective ways too. I don't, I don't really think they have much to do with each other. The roster just needs to get better. That's the only common link. No, no. And that's what I'm saying, right? Like that, they, that maybe what it showed us and maybe they're just both not good when it came to playoff basketball, but that when another team, and this one was obviously significantly worse throughout the entire year. But when another team can prepare for you and decide how they want to attack you, that there are real limitations to the roster that show up because of the Simmons thing. Yeah. And and it doesn't matter who's standing on your sideline. And so maybe the coach got beat up, you know, because it, you, you sacrifice the coach and you say, yeah, well, the reason they lost because freaking stupid Brett Brown, right? Like, they need a new coach. Well, then they got a new coach, and they still they still lost. So at some point, that's when everybody starts to point and say, all right, it's maybe it's more about the players. Because I've just been thinking about I, I, this I think, so much. I think it typically always – I think more often than not, like, players win games, especially in the NBA. More often than not, like, coaching decisions – can dictate what happens on the court with the system and the way the team runs. Like no doubt about that. Adjustments matter. Every, all of that matters. But more often than not, I think the, the main responsibility is on the general manager with the personnel that is acquired and assembled together. That is what gives the coach the opportunity to put in the proper system. That is what gives players the opportunity to excel on the court. It starts with the decisions from the front office, though. And the reason that I think about this so much is uh, I've been thinking about this coaching thing so much is because, you know, we live in an era where like no coach is is good, right? Like we just beat up every coach all the time. And I remember Nate McMillan, who's now on the other side of that Milwaukee series. He's in the Western or he's in the Eastern Conference Finals, for goodness sakes. He's let go. And he wasn't just let go, Kevin. When Nate McMillan got fired from... Indiana they put out a press release and they included his playoff record in the press release it said uh you know Nate McMillan who had this record with the uh, Pacers including three and 16 in the playoffs overall he has a record of blankety blank and 17 and 36 in the playoffs and I mean it's just 
it's humiliating as it gets, right? It would be like if they broke us up and they were like, um, yeah, and uh, we're parting ways. Spotify sends something out. And they're like, we're spot, we're uh, spending ways with uh, Chris and Kevin because they only had 250 listeners. You'd be like, oh god, like why do you even have to include that? Like, can't we just? Just let me go. You don't have to humiliate me. You don't have to tell everybody, remind everybody, you know what I mean? And so <laughs> and so here's this guy who is let go. Uh, He's then, well, one thing, thank you to those 250, 250. people for listening. We, yeah, we love you, you all. Yes. And so he gets this opportunity as, you know, they weren't responding to Lloyd Pierce. They had some injuries and whatever. And he takes over. He does an unbelievable job with Atlanta. Meanwhile, Indiana hired their grass is greener coach only to have to fire him within a year. And it's just kind of crazy. I mean, if you go back a year, you know, what what do people think about Nate McMillan? They thought he's three and sixteen in the playoffs. They don't even they get swept. They don't even win games they, in they, the playoffs. They, as in me, was frustrated that he just ran everybody kind of an, an archaic Not system you. sometimes. Like, where's the three pointers for Turner and Sabonis? Like stuff like that. But you know, with what he's done with Atlanta is remarkable, and the fact they are even here, the fact that McMillan even helped get them here to the Eastern Conference Finals really blows my mind, Chris. But I'll tell you what, with Hawks Bucks here, I wonder if this is where their luck runs out because from a matchup standpoint, they loved using that lineup against Philly with Gallo, Capella, and Collins on their front court. I'm not sure you're going to be able to do that against this Bucks team. Like You're going to have a hard time stopping Chris Middleton. That's where my main concern is here. How do you contain... Chris Middleton with Kevin Herter, you know, with a with a limping Bogdan Bogdanovich, because not having DeAndre Hunter or even Cam Reddish for that matter, mm. those guys would have been a big benefit to have against Middleton. I just don't know if they have the bodies for this series. But like you can't rule them out though because of the fact they're here, considering the fact they continue to find answers and battle back from adversity, winning tough games on the road. You can't discount them, especially when they have a guy like Trey Young. You can't, you can't discount the Hawks, even though I think the Bucks are going to win the series. And the other thing is, you could foresee a circumstance where Trey Young trashes that drop defense yeah, if they want no to doubt. try it. No doubt, you know about what I mean? It. Yeah, where because that is his mode of opera. I mean, he could get into that in between space, and he either throws those lobs to Capella. Or he can hit the little floater, and you know if they're depending on can you play Brook Lopez in this, you know, without Trey Young going for the forty something points because he is that kind of super dynamic guard that could really feast because his numbers were, I mean, they he was wildly inefficient scoring wise. He made big buckets and he kept coming at their neck, but it wasn't like the percentages were good. In that in, in that last series uh, against Philly, he struggled from the field. Um, it, it, there's part of me that thinks, geez, dependent upon how they're going to play this thing out, they may have a, a little harder time with Trey than maybe Philly did because obviously Philly was getting to throw Simmons and Thibel at him. They've got Embiid as the back line of that defense, but you even saw in when it mattered most in that game seven, how many times did Embiid get caught in the in-between where it was Trey 
blasted past somebody off the dribble. Yeah. He goes to that little, you know, he, he's right there past the elbow, and he just tosses it up over the center's head to Capella, who just, you know, I mean, Embiid's just there in time for the poster. Honestly, he just caught in between. You're too late to really contest it, Trey. And then you're, but now you've taken a step up. And so now Capella could get behind you. And that's a, I mean, that's a real thing that Milwaukee could struggle with. Um, because Collins can finish those and Capella can finish those. It's just we'll, a matter we'll of how about the rest of those guys? What we'll they, see. You know, so so much of that is dependent on simply <laughs> does this great player make the shot or not, you know, because doing right. it against Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving earlier in the series, James Harden later in the series when he came back, you know, like sometimes sometimes those guys are red hot. Sometimes they're not <laughs> yeah. like it can really be that simple. And with and with Trey Young, like you said, he wasn't particularly efficient mm. last series against the Sixers this round against the Bucks. They also, you know, I mentioned earlier how, you know, Middleton isn't going to have to go through like a bunch of wing defenders uh, against the Hawks. The flip side is for Trey Young here, he's going to have Drew Holiday on him a lot of the game. And that's, that's tough, man, because guard, you know, guard defense in the drop pick and roll coverage is just as important fighting over, contesting the shot, bothering the ball handler, sometimes as much as the big man's responsibility is. So Drew Holiday is going to have a very, very important role in this series in stopping Trey Young or at least making life hard on him. Because I do think, Kev, I agree with you completely. I do think that one of the reasons that we like the Bucks in this spot. Um, look, they are the overwhelming favorite. Vegas has them. If you want to win a hundred dollars, you got to lay down five hundred and forty. Really? Seriously, That's, minus five forty. What if you put a hundred on the Hawks? What, you, would you would win. Let me see. Three sixty-five is what wow, the number I'm looking really? at right now. Huh. 365. So, I mean, they are a prohibitive favor, but one of the reasons is because, you know, it's a great story. They deserve uh, the kudos for getting where they are, but I think that there's a lot of us uh, out there that thought that is more about the Sixers cratering. Mm. You know what I mean? It's a little reminiscent of the Denver thing last year where Denver didn't get their full credit for getting where they got because it was about the Clippers cratering. Yeah. You're like, bro, you had this thing locked up. You were up 25. You were up 18. You were beating the piss out of this team over and over. Like, there's no way you should have lost. And after all that, you had a game seven on your home floor. Like, the story is about Ben Simmons humiliating himself and about the fact that they didn't come through more so than Atlanta and what they did, which isn't always fair, but it's kind of why we get to this moment and it's like, all right, Atlanta is like, this is a great achievement to just be no where they are. But, Absolutely. But we never considered them ever in the class of those top three teams. You know what I mean? That was a different class of teams. Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. And then there was everybody else. 
from yeah. there on. But no doubt, no doubt. They knocked off Philly, so now what? I mean, they, what, what can we say? They did, they did, and and I think you nailed it there. Like so much of the talk has been about how Philly failed, you know, yeah. how Ben Simmons came up short. Um, but Atlanta also was like a heavy underdog. They in were that series as well. Huge. Like the, and despite you know the looming Embiid injury, they That's were right. a major underdog. So this Hawks team just proved that they can generate offense against lengthy defenders. They proved they could do it against Ben Simmons, who is second in defensive player of the year voting, unanimous all-defensive team, and rightfully so. Matisse Thibel, second team all-defense. They just proved it against this team with really tough mm. defenders, with Kevin Herter getting buckets big time, picking on mismatches. They did a good job of doing stuff like that, yep. picking at mismatches. So with the Bucks. The Hawks are going to go at Pat Connaughton. They're going to go at Bryn Forbes. They're going to go at the weak link. They're going to try to find ways to expose Brooke Lopez. And I'm picking the Bucks, but you can't rule out the Hawks based off what we've seen the last two series. And just the fact this team has a lot of talent, man. Like there's a uh, lot of good basketball players on the can. Hawks. They do. That thing is you listen to them talk and they are just confident. I mean, it, it's that it's that the naivety that plays to your benefit, right? They don't know any better. They're going through this for the first time and they just, they, they bought into McMillan. You listen to them talk about their coach. They love that guy. And they really buy into the fact that they, they like, they revel in that underdog. They crap. do. They do. It, it, we don't all, have any all-stars. We don't have any award winners. We Nobody picks us to win anything. <laughs> you all said we were going to lose to the Knicks. Uh, you know, Trey Young, you know, he didn't make an all-star. He didn't make an all-NBA. He's not going to make a nothing. And he averaged 30 points a game or whatever. It's like all we stay getting overlooked and underrated. And we're just going to keep proving you wrong. I kind of, you know, I can dig the chip on the shoulder it, thing. And Chris, they're going to need that in this matchup against the two-time MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes. They're going to have to have it, and I look forward to seeing who do they throw at him. During the regular season, Solomon Hill defended Giannis for more possessions than anybody else in the Hawks. Then Clint Capella did, then Okongwu, then John Collins, and after that, it really falls off. But I'm intrigued. Solomon Hill had the most possessions against Giannis. I wonder what they do in game one. I'm very much looking forward to watching how they match up there. That like goes without saying one of the keys to the series. I think it'll be, <laughs> I think it'll be Capella. You'll see a lot of Capella, a lot of Hill, a lot of Okongwu when he's on the floor too. Yeah. You didn't see a lot of him. No, we haven't no. seen a lot of Okongwu. Maybe this is the series, man. Like, like uh, it could be. It could, it could be, for real. It really could be. And, you know, there was a story I read yesterday saying that the, the reddish thing is not, like, completely off the table. Like, that it could be, because uh, he's got that actually soreness. Questionable for game yeah. He could, and dude, if reddish comes back, his offense has been so up and down in his first two years. Way up and down. Frustrating. But the defense has been really, really good. He's really long. good defense. He's yeah, long. super long. And I'd love to see him in this environment that you just yep. described. He's yep. never played in an environment like this because he's been hurt. Right. Yeah, <laughs> While I know. all this good stuff has been happening. Well, but boy, if he can come back, that could really change things for the Hawks. It could. Yep. Um, I can't wait for that. So that game's going to be uh, coming up well for when people listen to this tonight. Um, and obviously we'll talk a lot about that game uh, as it plays out on the Friday pod. 
the big thing that happened tonight outside of basketball and that amazing Suns Clippers ending was Drive the lottery. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. The Detroit Pistons get the number one pick in the NBA draft. They're followed by the Houston Rockets, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Toronto Raptors, and the Orlando Magic. And so, you know, we did not have the the massive surprise, you know, team fly up there. The the biggest is Toronto, who ends up getting in the lottery, but they didn't get in the lottery and get like, you know, one of the top two picks. They got in the lottery and got the fourth pick. Not um, bad. Not no, bad. it's great considering That's where fantastic. their slot was. Yeah. They they it was certainly lucky um for them to be able to get up there. Uh you know, just watching it all play out, it just because you didn't see you didn't see that team that was towards like the from ten down jump all the way up like when we've seen the Pelicans jump up or like when we saw Memphis jump up or that everything just goes crazy that now it's kind of like your, your expectations are because this was just playing to form <laughs> all the way. Right. Like, and, and so, you know, you didn't even have that long to contemplate. Oh my God. Can you believe, you know, after losing all those games, this team's going to get stuck with the friggin' sixth pick or whatever it is. One of the big things was, would somebody have to give up their pick? The the Minnesota pick, they did have to give it up to Golden State. Um, Expected, of course. But yep. it's seven. I mean, it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like, um, I mean, it would have been horrendous if you had ended up higher. <laughs> you yeah, know what it, I mean? Golden State, had they moved up to four, then Minnesota oh. still would have lost it. But, you know, number oh. seven... It's disappointing. There's some good prospects available there. But as you said, Chris, not the total end of the world here for Minnesota. No. Watching all the coverage tonight, again, you know, congrats to the Pistons. The Pistons, who they drafted really well last year. You know, Sadiq Bey was a player. Isaiah Isaiah Stewart turned out to be a player. You know what? How about this, Kev? They've also drafted well over the last couple of years. They, you know, Luke Kennard was good. You yeah. know, they moved him to, and guess who else was good? Freaking Bruce Brown was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, geez, maybe that, are they going to have to go sign you, Bruce Brown for a fortune just to get him know, back to Detroit? You want to know who else is going to be good, Chris? Who? Killian Hayes. Oh, don't yeah. Give, don't, don't give up on Killian Hayes. And I'm, maybe I'm, th- so. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the listeners, too, because Killian Hayes, he has a foundation. The foundation is defense, it's passing, and shot creation. What he doesn't have yet is a reliable, consistent jump shot. Will that develop? Maybe, maybe not. But Just I believe. Little, I, hey, I, sounds I, like I, a little Ben Simmons. <laughs> a li, a, except for the fact Killian Hayes is like an eighty-five plus percent free throw shooter over the last three, four years. So like That's he has good. that going for him. He has good touch on floaters and runners and all that. And if the Pistons do draft Cade Cunningham with the number one pick, who in all likelihood will go number one to the Pistons from Oklahoma State, if they get him. 
the Pistons are going to be on track to be like that next team that people talk about as a contender. They have so much good talent across their roster. You mentioned Isaiah Stewart, a rim-running, bruising big man who has flashed the potential, by the way, to shoot threes. Mm. He did it at Washington, did it end of the season with Detroit. There's some untapped potential there. Plays his ass off on defense. Jeremy Grant playing like above you know his weight in terms of touches and shots last season, but a great defensive player who showed improvement on offense. Sadiq Bay already a really good three and D wing, but plays like a veteran. I love yep. Sadiq Bay. Killian Hayes just talked about him. If you get Cade Cunningham, who is this cerebral passer who lifts his teammates up, plays strong defense when he's locked in, can pass, can create off the dribble. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of important pieces when you talk about what what do you need to be a championship team? They're checking a lot of those boxes as a young team already. So, I mean, I'm happy for Pistons fans to be in this position. Do you think there is anybody that you could see making big, immediate impact on a franchise? Besides Cade Cunningham? Yeah, because um, it's hard, right? I mean, maybe like mid-draft, like Chris Duarte, if let's say the Warriors took him with the 14th pick, let's just say they took Duarte. He's a knockdown shooter who's like a, you know, a, a good defensive player type of guy. He's 24 years old. He's older, but he's the type of guy like you've seen a couple of these in Memphis the last couple of years mm -hmm. with Bain, with Clark, Tillman, these guys who are men. They're not like teenagers. That's they're right. legit men. If you draft Duarte, he can come in right away and help you. But to be a changer, game, you, know? you kind of have to have the ball, right? The way Morant yeah, yeah, yeah. was. Exactly. Like the, like the, the guys way. I'm talking about are more like I they like fit Suggs. in and get minutes. I like Suggs. Uh, you may, so top of the draft, yeah, yeah Suggs yeah, yeah. can go in right away. But who's he going to to make that difference? Is it Cleveland? I don't think so. It's a, that's Toronto, not the fit. It could be Toronto because that's where I have them have – that's where I have Suggs going in my mock draft up on the what Ringer's a backcourt. You you can see my mock draft at NBA draft dot yeah. ringer dot com. Him and all, him and Van Vliet would be fun as hell. Oh yeah, like like put it this way: everything Raptors fans love about about Kyle Lowry. What do yep. you love about Kyle Lowry? The grit, the intensity, the leadership, the clutch play, the shot making, the defense, the booty. <laughs> But this guy, <laughs> Jalen Suggs, hey. you know, has all of those qualities with his style of play on the yeah, court. Yeah, but like this he, guy, what, this what guy, this guy plan. can touch the touch, touch like damn near the top of the backboard. I don't know if Kyle Lowry could touch the net. I mean, they are different. There's a different caliber of athlete now. I mean, this guy, this guy's crazy. Yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. I, and, and I could see him. I could see him being one of those guys that has success immediately. I'm with I really you. I'm do. With you. I can see you. that. Um you, you hate it for magic fans. Our poor Kevin Clark. Oh, the yeah. guy just I mean you just it's us here we are again with the fifth pick. Like it's four there's four players yeah. that everybody's going crazy about, right? And then it's like yep. maybe Jonathan Kaminga talked about this on uh the Bill Simmons podcast. We did a yep. live show with me, Waz and Jay yep. Kyle Mann. And I proposed the idea of well if you're Cleveland at number three, mm. do you really want to be there when you already have Darius Garland and Colin Sexton when the guys there are Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green? Jalen Green, we talked about Suggs, 6'5", really good player. Uh, then Green, 
six four, very lean. You know, needs to needs to really develop his game. He's raw. I don't love the fit there. If you're Cleveland at three, I'm thinking about trade downs. I'm thinking about Orlando at five because Orlando also has the eighth pick because of the Bulls trade with Vucevic. I'm looking at the Thunder at number six, and then like every pick in the near future, including number eighteen this year. I'm thinking if I'm Cleveland, I wanna I wanna trade down because I don't like the guys that I would take at three. Unless you're flipping Garland or Sexton and taking Suggs, that's a different conversation. And definitely one also considering. But if I'm Cleveland, I'm heavily considering a trade down here to get more draft picks. Yeah, do you think everybody seems to be on the same page regarding Cunningham? That Cunningham is the guy that will go number one. He even said tonight, I saw Woj report, he's only going to make one visit. It's to the Pistons. So, like, that's done, right? He is the presumptive number one pick. I I wouldn't say 100% done, but I would say 90% done. Like, you're still, if you're the Pistons, you're still going to think about Evan Mobley. You're still going to look at him and do your due diligence and explore the possibilities there. You're going to see, like, everything. You're going to think about everything, as they should. But, like, if they stay at one, it's got to be Cade Cunningham. Like, this just feels, to me, this feels like one of those years that I know that Mobley is two on everybody's board, but that by the time we get to the draft, that two is going to be a big, that's going to be a big question and that people are going to be debating who should go number two really, because the Rockets really can take do. anybody. I really think you're right, Chris, because, you know, even though most people have Mobley number one or number two, mostly number two, th- at that Rockets spot, I, I just got lo- Christian Wood. But I, yeah, I don't love the Christian Wood, Evan Mobley front court. Like it can work. Like it can work because Mobley, what he is as a prospect, he can switch on defense. He can protect the rim. He can shoot a little bit from the outside. He can play inside a little bit too. Like Mobley can fit with anybody. But if you have two bigs who are like under 235 pounds and they're lean, they aren't Mm -hmm. the types of guys you would put against Jokic or put against Embiid. I I don't know. I don't know if if that's going to work in those types of matchups. And if I'm the Rockets, I I do really think here they're another team that should be thinking if it's not Suggs or Green, they also should be thinking about a trade down too, Chris. I really feel that way about the teams at two and three this year. Consider trading down, explore those opportunities because there sure as hell will be teams that want to trade up that didn't get into the top. Well, and here's my question. And look, as as we as we say a hundred million times, this stuff is going to evolve in a massive massive way we know it always does that by the time we get to the draft that we're going to be thinking about a lot of these guys in a different way that being said if if we're right about this and by the time the draft comes around two is a debate or it's certainly not just a yeah he's going Evan Mobley's going number two like I think Jalen Suggs could go two but the, the question is Maybe Jalen Green could go to like at what point going down the list do we get to the player that would stun you if you found out they're going to go to like we did have this just last year. You remember with uh, Patrick Williams? Yeah. Right. Where it was like, bro, if we would have done this on lottery night, <laughs> Nobody was talking about Patrick Williams going in the top five. Like that that would have been outrageous. Um, but there we were when it came draft time. 
he just got all this buzz, and next thing you know, he's going top five. I mean, is it? I'm looking at your big board. Let me get find a name. Davian Mitchell. There you go. Just won a national title, right at Baylor. Uh, uh, I mean, right? so like this, this is this is this is a wishy washy answer here because the way I have these guys ranked, like you mentioned, Mitchell, I okay. would be shocked if Mitchell were number two. Like shocked because he's on the older side. He's twenty two years old. Right, right, right. He's six feet tall. I'd be shocked if it were him, right? But like if it were somebody like Scotty Barnes, who I have ranked eleventh mm. right now, who's a nineteen year old freshman. I wouldn't say I'd be totally shocked. I'd be a little surprised, yeah. but I could see a guy like Barnes rising up the rankings. I could see a guy like Sagun, who just was named MVP of the Turkish League at 18 years old. Sagun is a fantastic big man in this draft. Raw needs time to develop. But 18 years old, like with Barnes, youthful, you know, has clear offensive skill and feel for the game. Both of those guys. I love their games. I really love both of their games, even though I have them ranked ninth and I think 11th for Scotty Barnes. So I'm going to evaluate my rankings a heck of a lot in the coming weeks. Well, I'm not sticking to anything, but Chris very well, like it wouldn't shock me if Barnes especially were to rise up their rankings up to number two, it may be a bit much, but top five, that shouldn't surprise anybody. I, of course, I love Suggs, and I could see that happening completely. He just looks yeah, NBA with ready to me. But with the you. other one, the other one is if he ended up going to is the green kid, uh, Jalen yeah, Green. That could and, happen too. And I like to me, it's just because um, obviously being in Memphis, he was going to Memphis when he when he was going to college, and he didn't go to college. So I just heard about him for a year, and I mean, I heard people talking about like how unbelievable this guy's going to be, and He's also. A well, you know, Jared Jack was on Rosillo's pod, and Jared Jack just played with him on that team, and he talks about how that kid, he's like, that kid was soaking up every single thing. Yes. Like, his role... Yeah, I heard that, too. His yep. role was to, like, you know, kind of mentor. He's like, that kid wants to be great. He will work and work and, and like... I don't know, man. Like, look, Jerry Jack's not the guy's agent, but he sounded like, to me, it was like <laughs> everything you would want to hear about a guy, truly. Like, he it, it, really took a liking to that kid, and you get done listening to him talk about him, and you're like, Jesus Christ, how can you not take this guy? This guy, I mean, he's he was as good as anybody in high school. Well, he, he did not go and fall on his face when he played against men, in yeah. the G League thing. In fact, he was fantastic. He actually got better over the course yeah. of the year, too. He's his a crazy decision making got better. He's a crazy athlete. And I've got an NBA veteran telling me mm -hmm. this guy cares about being great. And I'm like, jeez. Yep. And that checks out like it's not like his teammate pumping yeah. him up. If that weren't the case, he'd give some like cookie cutter, media friendly answer. Right? That's right. Like, oh, yeah, he's a good kid, works hard. Blah, 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 blah. He didn't do that. Like he was a full out endorsement and more, yes. right? Yes, is like well and beyond. And that checks out with what you hear about Jalen Green, that he is a hard worker, that he wants to be great, and he's willing to to do what it takes to get there. He's a sponge, as Jared Jack said. And like you consider all stuff like that. You talk about team fit because fit matters. Mm -hmm. Best player available 
includes fit. Like best player available to every team is different. Like the second best player for Houston might be Jalen Green. For another team, Jalen Green might be the sixth best player because fit is included. Philosophy is included. And for the Rockets here, I don't know. I just don't know about the Mobley Wood fit in the front court. Unless you're moving Christian Wood down the line, I think at some point it would come to a point where like it's clear a change would have to happen. Either it's well, going to be a I, Mobley or Wood issue with Jalen Green. Jalen Green, I, I'll tell you what. Let me frame it like this, Chris. The biggest loser of the draft tonight was Christian Wood. What Christian Wood was with James Harden was unbelievable. A guy who he could rim run, get lobs, pick and pop for threes, attack closeouts. Not having Cade Cunningham is a disappointment, but Jalen Suggs would boost Christian Wood's value and what he can be. Or Jalen Green, if he's able to develop further as a playmaker, which he did in the G League, boost Christian Wood's value. Like, I think it makes a lot of sense, everything you're saying, for them to strongly consider Suggs or Green with the number two pick. Yeah, that's certainly uh, possible. And to your point about fit, you know, for so many years, there was always the trope of, you know, look, if you want to not just draft the best guy and you want to draft something that's going to fit with your team, that's how you end up with Sam Bowie instead of yeah, Michael that, Jordan exactly. because of whatever. But but look right now, Kev, at what we've got going on in these places. We just talked about Aiton and this amazing night for Aiton, and we're going to wrap up with this. You know, I, I they, they did that because they had Devin Booker, Right. Now, maybe they had him rated higher, but, I mean, you remember if you go back in time, they had, uh, and 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 you could argue, look, Luka Doncic is going to be one of the best players to ever play in the NBA. It's still a mistake. End of story. It's a mistake not to take him. But if we talk about how we you do this because you really believe in Booker, and so now if we've got this kind of big to go alongside, that this could, that that this this inside outside type of thing is a better fit than I don't know if Luca and Booker would be amazing together. I don't know if Trey and Booker would be amazing together. But I'm just saying it, the way this is all played out, and when you speak to fit, we just saw a guy that was drafted because of fit, like we just saw it, and I mean you could argue that they didn't take the right guy. But they might have taken the right guy for them, and it's hard to argue against that right now because like they yeah. are now probably going to be in the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to hear this, but don't don't tweet me about the Lakers getting hurt. Don't, because <laughs> yeah. I know that's what's coming. And, yeah. and by the, the only and by reason the way, they're going to be there is because the Lakers got and, hurt. And by the way, I'm sorry, but the Suns could have beaten them anyway. They could have. Yep. The Suns are a real, they're, they're a really good team. This Certainly is really not good out of team. the question. And, and injuries are part of the game, too. And the Lakers um, stunk yeah. for a yeah. long time this Injury, year. I mean, injuries are part of the game. Like, yeah. just, AD has always been a guy who gets hurt. LeBron is in his late 30s. Like, I mean, let's be real. So that's part of it. It's part of the evaluation. So with, like, the Suns here, I'm glad you said that, Chris. I really yeah. am because – it, it, it can both be the right and the wrong thing to do, you know? Yeah. And with DeAndre Ayton, some of the games he's having on both ends of the floor is just unbelievable. And it is so important to their why they're winning and why they're here. Who knows what it could be if they had taken Luka. Maybe they'd be still up 2-0 in the Western Conference Finals and would be talking about them as the prohibitive favorite. Maybe they would have been the one seed. Who knows what the alternate you know universe is here. 
But where they are in the way in which DeAndre Ayton works, the way in which they acquired Chris Paul to be that other ball handling presence, what they have now, it's hard to imagine that it would be better. Mm. I mean, he is – look, we just watched him. He dunked the ball. That That's going to be an iconic – playoff moment forever yep. that was unbelievable it really is <laughs> i it's, screamed <laughs> it's unbelievable to yeah. dunk the ball with point nine how do you get that i play? screamed man how I was do you te- i was texting with my friend dan during the game and i said to him if the suns get the ball here they should throw a lob to eight and use booker as a decoy i'm God. thinking there's no way they're gonna throw a lob to eight but i'm like that sounds like a great idea and they threw the lob to eight and it worked wow. <laughs> At least Zubac was there. Yeah, he was there, man. <laughs> I had to get dunked on. What, 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 what a fun finish aside from the officiating. But what it a was. play. It what was. And play. I can't wait for this Easter Conference Finals oh, to get man. started. It's because be great. every step of the way, though, we've come on, we've had to come out here being like, Jesus, the Hawks, like, they just keep winning. Mm-hmm. I can't wait, you know? dude. I, I think both of these series, the Clippers are going to continue to be competitive. The Hawks yeah. are going to have some really tough games. Nobody should be shocked by anything. The fact that we're here with these four teams. This is all new blood, enjoy though. It. Enjoy it's all it new, all. It's yeah. all new blood, and no matter who wins, there's some fan base that gets to celebrate for the yeah. first time in forever. It's Do you know? Cool. I, I read this morning, the Bucks haven't been to the finals since 1974. The Hawks have never been since they've been in Atlanta. I mean, so they were the St. Louis Hawks. So at the Atlanta Hawks have never been to the NBA Finals. And the Bucks haven't been since 1974. So it doesn't matter who wins that series. And on the other side, it's the Suns and the Clippers, who are not exactly, you know what I mean? The Clippers just made their first West Finals, for God's sakes. Yeah. So this it's pretty is shocking. Uh, like, the Clippers have had a lot of good teams. First West Finals. How yes. about that, huh? Well, they, they were right there on the cusp. You know, a lot of those Doc Rivers teams. What was the uh, Bill Simmons article? Curse of the... The, the wa- buffalo. The bu- curse of the buffalo, yeah. The buffalo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the curse of the buffalo. And maybe maybe that was the curse of the buffalo with uh, Paul George yeah. missing those free throws and DeAndre eight and getting a yeah. dunk of point nine. Yeah. Rough. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah. Man. Something a, else, man. What a way to lose. Um, but hell, we're not, I'm I, I told you, I'm you could count them out. I ain't counting out the Clippers. No. No, Ty no, Lue, no Ty Lue has got their ass right where he wants them. He goes down 0-2 <laughs> exactly. in every series. Yeah, this is that's all part it, of the plan. Yes, just, he's just, just like just like complaining about calls. That's it's it. to get Kawhi back. That's right. He just he's setting the booby trap. <laughs> <laughs> that Ty Lue. <laughs> all right, it's gonna do it for the show. Thank you to uh, Carlos uh, for producing us once again, and Kevin. I will talk to you on Friday. Man, I can't wait. Hope we get some great basketball, Chris. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable, 
and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.